0: The Night Owl Podcast, Campfire Episode 13, A Psychic Journey. Welcome to the Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all you restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who've experienced them, and share them with you right here. We're currently looking for more personal ghost stories or haunted locations, so if you or someone you know has one, please submit it to us for consideration. Go to NightOutpodcast.com, click on the Submit Your Story page, and let us hear your ghost story. It's one thing to experience a haunting, or an isolated paranormal encounter, and another altogether to discover that you may possess an ability to see and communicate with the dead. In tonight's campfire episode, young psychic medium Kate found herself in this very situation. Starting in early childhood, with paranormal activity occurring at each new home she moved to with her family, she just assumed they were unfortunate and that they were moving into haunted house after haunted house. However, as Kate grew into young adulthood, and things seemed to follow her when she moved from Midland to San Antonio, Texas, she began to pay attention to what was going on around her. But it wasn't until an unexpected message came to her from a missing boy on a flyer that she stumbled on in San Antonio that she realized she possessed a very unique ability. So cozy up to the fire with us tonight, and let's take a journey with Kate as she guides us through her journey of realizing her psychic gifts. Stay tuned. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. Also, thank you to my favorite nutrition drink, AG1, for their continued support of the Night Owl Podcast. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to DrinkAG1.com slash Night Owl. Okay, just one short announcement. I know everyone is probably saying, wait, where is Pompey House Part 3? Well, for those of you who are all caught up and currently listening, I'm very sorry to announce that I had to postpone the release of Part 3 of this series because there's actually been a new development that has changed the course of that story. What my team and I do is very real and organic and I had already wrapped up that case entirely and was so thrilled to share this conclusion with you, but we have made some new discoveries that really are taking us in a wild new direction. One I really hope I can share with you soon. I know we'll have part 3 ready for you at the end of March, so bear with us until then. I just don't know if this new development is going to lead us to more of the story that needs to be told in a fourth installment, or if we're going to go down this rabbit hole this new discovery leads us, and it be something we cannot share due to the personal and sensitive nature of it. But stay tuned, because no matter what, we are releasing part 3 of the Pompey House in March. And sorry for this unexpected twist in the story that's forced me to postpone this one, but in the meantime, I have a new campfire for you to enjoy. Stay restless out there. If you've been listening to The Night Owl for some time, you probably already know that we've been exploring psychic mediumship abilities since day one. We were lucky enough to have a friend in Sarah, a talented medium, who was not quite out about her abilities and hadn't fully tested them until our show. If you've been with us since the beginning, you've witnessed the countless validations made through her gift, and the incredible help it's been to our investigations. I myself have always questioned psychics, mostly because of how sensationalized they are in the media and the hoaxers out there. And trust me, they are out there. Sarah was one of the first and only people I witnessed firsthand utilizing her abilities in a way that was validating for me. And following her departure from the show to explore her dream to help others with gifts like her in her program Metaphysical You. I was curious how I'd continue to explore these types of gifts with others on the show. Now team member Jeffrey has been developing and I've witnessed true validating experiences with him on just the handful of cases that we've been on. But now, more recently, I was called to a case in San Antonio, Texas. This new case would put me in touch with a lady by the name of Kate, who happened to have a connection to the haunted location we were going to be exploring, Hotel Havana. That series is underway currently and will be releasing it soon, but while I was doing my initial interviews for that series, I had something unique and validating happen on my first call with Kate. She initially was sharing all the experiences she had at Hotel Havana. She'd been brought on as their local psychic medium to offer events and tours and had a lot to share with me. However, I of course have never worked with Kate, so if you know me, I was honestly not sure of any of her gifts and the stories that she was sharing with me yet. I knew that I was going to take our psychic friend Jeffrey there without any knowledge of where he was going. But from my perspective, I couldn't know how valid Kate's gifts and impressions were. That is, until the very end of our call. Kate did something that really shook me. In a very gentle and kind way, she told me she had someone from my life trying to come through for me. I've never had many psychic mediums come through with any past relatives because honestly I'm quite fortunate in that all my close relatives are still around. I've only lost one, my grandfather, on my mother's side, and I was incredibly close to him. Before we begin the campfire, I wanted to share this very personal experience with you, because I know if you're like me, and on the fence with anyone that claims to be psychic, you need to have some form of validation before you take anything they say to heart. So here it goes. Kate began picking up on my grandfather. This is without any questions or answers from me. What you're about to hear is the most personal thing I'm ever going to share with you listeners, but I'm doing it because I know how important it is to trust the psychic mediums I include in this show. The following is what happened at the very end of my interview call with Kate in regards to the Hotel Havana investigation.
1: I do want to ask you, because I believe in consent, absolutely, if at any point there is something that comes through for you, are you open to receiving the message. Yeah. Okay. Cause I'm like, and it does like, if they just come in It sometimes it's very intrusive and I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know if they really want to hear that, sir. And they're like, well, we need to tell them. So <laughs> yeah. just to get your permission. Cause I do think that um, I do feel like as we continue to work together, cause your guides are very prevalent. Like they're very helpful to you especially in giving you, like, like you said, like you have that detective instinct. So they really set those clues for you to help you bring into more success and fruition. And I think you have some stuff coming in within these next, like, couple months that are going to come through for you, especially from, like, your grandpa.
2: Mm. Yeah, he's the only person that I've lost that I was incredibly close to.
1: I'm sorry for your loss. I didn't know that, but I think that... When I see him, he just really, um, first of all, I'm filled with a lot of emotion from him, which is just showing me, like, how incredibly proud of you. Sorry if I start crying. These are him. (laughs) Um, Incredibly proud of you, he is. And he's really encouraging you to, like, keep working with your mental health and using the tools necessary to work through kind of, like, the seasonal depressions that can come up for you, it feels like and um really i see like just a lot of sunshine and you sitting outside with him like i see him sitting next to you in the chair and just talking he is very soft with you but i don't think he was necessarily soft with everybody i think that some people could be i don't know maybe he was like powerful i'm not sure but he just has a lot of care for you and a lot of gratitude for what you're doing and there's something about, like, the namesake that you're carrying on that he's really excited for, too. Yeah, he it's a lot of emotion from him more than anything because I do think that you do p- pick up on what he's putting down for you. But he's, it's really important for you to know how proud, 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 proud he is.
2: Something happened to me in 2020 that was very traumatic, and I suffer from... Uh... Uh, PTSD symptoms from it. And uh, I I cried and prayed to him daily.
1: It's okay. You're safe.
2: And numerous people have told me that. And they've seen him in an image in a chair by me all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. So it means a lot.
1: He holds his arms, like, really big for you to just hold you and envelop you in, like, the biggest hug he can. Yeah. He loves you so much. Uh,
2: yeah, it's reciprocated
1: it will get easier. Um, He's showing your PTSD symptoms that um, he's proud of you for taking the steps and tools necessary to help those. And he's helping on his side of things to help when they're, because it shows, how's he showing me? It feels like um, my head is hurting. It's like a lot within your head. So he comes to like help soothe those racing thoughts.
2: Yeah, that's what it is. a lot of thoughts, negative thoughts.
1: Do you rub, like, in between your thumb and pointer finger area? So he's showing this area in between your thumb and pointer finger that I think will help bring a grounding to you or does help bring a grounding to you.
2: Well, this is crazy. I'll tell you what it is. I didn't know until he passed away this really funny story about Popo. He hates needles. I have tattoos, you know. And he always thought I was crazy because I'm afraid of needles too, but I was like, well, it's different. It's not like a needle going in the vein. That kind of bothers me, but I always get tattoos and he's like, you're crazy mijo, for doing that, whatever. <laughs> and then he never told me he had a tattoo and I didn't know until he passed and grandma told me the story that he got it. It's, he started to get his name, Paul, between his thumb and his index finger on his hand and all he could get was the P done and he'd tell him to stop. It's real tiny. And I saw it on his hand. Uh, when he was on his deathbed, and I held his hand while he passed away, and I decided to get that same pee on oh my hand my in Oh my God. Prayer. Yeah.
1: So, validation, 100% for you that he's Yeah. There.
0: A lot of what Kate said hit me pretty hard, because it's a lot of stuff that was really private. I do suffer from mental health issues from a traumatic experience that happened to me in 2020. I began a long and difficult road to try to heal this through lots of therapy and programs which I'm still in today. But the thing that really brought me to tears was how my grandpa was telling me through Kate that he knew of the struggle. He was there with me and he was proud of me. Because during the most painful time of this struggle, I was alone in my house. And I would force myself to go to my altar which is in my living room where I had a large framed picture of grandpa. And I'd do all I could in my power to pray and do ceremony to stop the pain that I was feeling emotionally and mentally. I would sometimes fall to my knees and actually call out to my grandpa just to come and comfort me, to please help me if he could. No one in this world knows that I did that. Now everyone does because I just aired my laundry on this show, but what Kate got was genuine and I knew it. Down to the tiny letter P that I have tattooed on my left hand in between my thumb and index finger in honor of my silly Popal's attempt to get his name Paul tattooed on his own hand. So in this campfire, I thought it'd be fun to hear Kate's story, a young, still-developing psychic medium who really touched me in just one short conversation. So gather around the fire, everyone, grab a warm drink, and let's take this journey with Kate and some of her friends and family.
1: My name is Kate. I am living in San Antonio, and I get to spend my days connecting with past loved ones and helping heal energies and just kind of bringing the community together. The community was something I've always been really passionate about, but I never understood that I could actually talk to dead people until, oh man, I think I was in my 20s. But I have always been haunted. I have always lived in haunted houses. Even when I was as little as three years old, I remember having dreams of people who had passed away, sending messages to their loved ones. I know that I have seen my grandpa who passed away before I was even born. So I have always been haunted. I think when I really started to notice it was probably in sixth grade when we played with the forbidden Ouija board definitely was a mistake made, but when you're kids, you don't really know better. I remember it was sixth grade. We were in our newly renovated garage, turned into my bedroom, and I'm the youngest of four kids. All of them had pretty much graduated. It was just me. I had friends over. We've always been interested in the paranormal. I always find the people who like these kinds of things, so And of course, we were playing with the Ouija board and nothing actually happened while we had the Ouija board out. But when we left the garage slash room to like eat lunch and came back, the planchet had moved. And I remember the, the garage being so cold. And that was kind of like the very beginning of really recognizing how in my space spirit is. We also lived in a trailer park later on, and in this trailer park, I had my own room, it was my parents, none of my siblings were there, and I remember having this stereo system. I remember it would change stations all the time. I would unplug it, the radio would turn back on, the TV would change TV stations, it would turn off by itself, it would turn on by itself, and I remember how scared i was and also i was like oh wow we live in a haunted trailer so the way my room is is like you open the door to the bedroom and then there's my bed directly across from it behind the door i had this floating shelf and on the floating shelf was this porcelain raggedy ann doll i would have it facing outwards not towards my bed but like out to the middle of the room And at night, I would go to sleep, and when I would wake up, that Raggedy Ann porcelain doll would be turned to face my bed. It scared me so badly that I threw that doll away, and it was gifted to me by my grandma, who also passed away. I never really knew my grandparents, but they definitely have come through a lot in spirit. And now that I look back on that moment, I wonder if that was her actually turning that as like a sign that she was watching over me. But because I was so scared and I didn't recognize that I had the power to like tap in and actually have conversations with these entities, I just threw it away and hoped my day got better. After that trailer house, we moved into one of the most haunted houses I have ever lived in. We moved there in eighth grade. I was at my prime time puberty self, so definitely going through a lot of changes within my hormones and my emotions. Like I said, I was the youngest in my family and kind of the black sheep of the family. I never had a lot of support in things that were different than what my family experienced. And my mom has always been, like, super into psychics and very interested in ghost stories, although she's skeptical. But I've never been able to approach her and be met with support for being a psychic. So any experience that we had together, it was definitely chalked up as, like, oh, our house is haunted, and that's how I lived my life. It was a hard time. Like I said, I was going through a bunch of changes, trying to figure out who my friends were. My parents didn't understand me, so it was a lot of going back and forth, a lot of fighting, really bad fights, and unique to what I had normally experienced growing up, I feel like. And I really think that that had to do with the energy that was there. The way our house was set up, you go through the front door, and there is a den, In the den is a couch. You turn to the right, there's a hallway, and then down that hallway are three bedrooms and a bathroom. And then if you were to go through the den, so you open the front door, you walk through the den, go straight, there's the kitchen, walk straight through the kitchen, and then there's the living room. And then in the living room is where we have the television, a couch, and things like that. So in that house, I do remember specifically, I was vacuuming in my my room. It was the middle of the day, bright and sunny outside. Something caught my attention behind me. You know how you kind of see a, a blur in your peripheral vision? I caught that blur. And when I looked up, I saw this little boy standing there in my doorway, even to this day. I know exactly what he looked like. He had ashy brown hair, very pale skin, sunken-in eyes. He wore a little coveralls, like a blue coverall. It was a button-up shirt. He didn't have on a Piper hat, but it would definitely fit the time period of his existence if he did have that hat. So I glanced at him. I was so scared. And then I just went back to vacuuming. (laughs) That's how I handle things. I'm like, nah, we'll just ignore this. This is not happening. So I just went back to vacuuming. I looked up again, and then he was gone. As quickly as he was there. I didn't hear anything, but he was there one minute and gone the next. After that experience, I had several reoccurring dreams with that little boy. And he was stuck in a fire, and his grandma was trying to get him out. And I remember very vividly what this dream looked like, because it was the same every single time. It was a tall apartment-like building. He was crying for his grandma at the window, trying to get out. The grandma was trying to pull him out of the fire. And then, boom, I would wake up, and it would cut off every time. So I would have that dream a lot. And then when I would have fights with my parents, I would hear a little kid humming in my room. And it would sound like, hmm, hmm. hmm." You could clearly hear it in my room. There was nobody in the room next to mine. And my parents' room was across from mine. So you go down the hallway, there's a room on the right, it's empty. A bathroom on the left, you keep walking. There's another room on the right, that was my room. And then a room on the left, that was my parents' room. And I was the only kid there, so there was no other kids making that noise. One time, my sister, who is older, I have two sisters and a brother, and the oldest of all of them was staying at the house for a little bit And she said that she had a dream that she saw a little boy and she chased him through the house. And I was really surprised to hear her have that dream. I didn't tell her anything about seeing that boy. I don't think she still knows that I saw him. But that was interesting to hear that, especially my family. They really tend to turn a blind eye to things and and not acknowledge them. So I was really surprised that my sister had seen that little boy, but there were so many other things happening. There was another night where I woke up to use the restroom and I came out of my room. I turned to the left to walk down the hall and I felt this huge menacing energy behind me. It literally felt like this big six foot tall guy was behind me. I felt so scared. I went to the bathroom as quickly as I could, shut the door as quickly as I could. I genuinely felt his energy standing there at the door up until I finished using the restroom and all the way back into going into my room. I don't know who that was. Again, I wasn't in a place where I was connecting in that way. It was so scary. And I feel like that same energy was also in my parents' room. They would have me go put things on their bed, and I would go so quickly. I would try to get in so quickly, just throw it and then run out of the room because the energy there was so thick and really terrifying. It would translate into my dreams. I would have nightmares of ghosts or people in our space. I would hear whisperings in my room. I have a best friend, Jordan. She has been so supportive of me for my entire journey, my entire life. She has been there for several paranormal experiences. She would spend the night at my house and be so scared because we would lay down for bed and then we would hear whisperings and not just from the little boy. Sometimes we would hear a woman whispering or a man whispering.
3: My name is Jordan and I am Kate's best friend. We actually met when we were in the eighth grade and we have been pretty much inseparable ever since. We spent a lot of time, you know, at sleepovers at each other's houses and things like that. And it seems like growing up, we always had these unusual experiences. We would, you know freak ourselves out because we saw we would see something move, particularly related to her home. So she lived in a little home. It was like a three bedroom house in an older part of our hometown. And I can remember specifically staying at her house one night and we were uh, folding some towels in her living room and straight down the hallway it was a long, kind of dark hallway. Uh, was her bedroom and right across was her parents' bedroom. So we were in the living room folding some towels and I was like, I'll go put these in your room for you. And as I walked down the hallway, I just got this really big feeling of dread and I just threw the towels down and ran back and I was just like, your house really freaks me out. And come to find out that was kind of the beginning of a lot of weird occurrences that happened between the two of us. We had an incident where we were both asleep in her room or trying to fall asleep, as you know, eighth grade girls can stay up and giggle all night. So we were laughing and talking and we start to quiet down and we can hear mumbling out in the hallway, it sounds like somebody is talking. But at this point it's like three o'clock in the morning, some obscene hour. So we get up to check and of course the house is completely silent. And so freaked out, we ran back to the room. Again, within just a few minutes, we can hear mumbling and talking. So we got up again to check to make sure no televisions were on or anything. And we never could find a source, but I know that Kate had several experiences, even without me being there, of the same type of hearing a voice, hearing somebody talking when nobody was home. And it was never understood from what I could tell, but it was just like mumbling. And so we kind of started to think like maybe her house was haunted.
1: I was 18 years old working at the movie theater. So I would come home late, midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and my parents were very strict. You come home, you let them know you're home and you're home on time. So I came in, I opened the door. As soon as I opened the door to walk inside, I heard a man and a woman having a conversation. But it was almost like when you're in the car and the windows are rolled up and somebody's standing beside the window having a conversation. You can hear it, it's loud, but it's kind of muffled or it's mumbled and you can't really understand the words that are being said. So it really struck me as odd that I opened the door and heard that loud. I thought maybe that my parents were asleep and like had fallen asleep with the TV on because that's not abnormal. So I locked the door, walk all the way through the den, all the way down the hallway, all the way into my parents' room, hearing this conversation the entire time. And when I rounded the corner to my parents' room, I saw that there was no glowing light on from the TV. There was not a radio on. There was no way that this sound should have been happening. Nobody was awake, nobody was talking. And I heard the conversation as I woke my mom up to let her know I was home. I heard the conversation all the way back down the hallway, all the way into the bathroom. And as soon as I shut the bathroom door, the woman in the conversation I heard clear as day say, why are you still here? And then it stopped just an abrupt stop in the conversation. That was a scary moment, and those moments kept happening. There was another time when I came home from, again, working at the movie theater, and at this point, we had already seen the kid, heard the conversation, our doorbell was going off all of the time, the energy was sick, it was intense, my parents and I were fighting all the time, it was just, it was a lot. <laughs> So I would come home from the movie theater, and I would be so scared. I would run through the den, through the kitchen, into the living room, and turn on, like, Gola Gola Island. (laughs) I don't know if anybody remembers that show, but it's definitely for small children. And that's what I would watch to try to take the edge off of my nerves just so I could go to sleep because... When I go to sleep, I'm hearing humming, whispering. I'm, hearing, I'm having terrible nightmares. So this is probably one of the scariest physical things that happened in that house. I went in to watch Gola Gola Island per usual. Now here's where the computer comes, it's important. It is in the kitchen. It's sharing a wall with the living room. So you walk in the den, here's the kitchen. On the left-hand side, there's a wall, there's a computer desk against the wall, a desktop there, and a chair that is pushed into the desk facing the computer. Then you walk out of the kitchen, there's a living room, we have a couch that is on the same wall, but the kitchen is tile and the living room is carpet. And then the TV is to the left, adjacent to the couch, so... If you're watching TV, you're not watching the kitchen, you're facing more of the back door area. I was sitting on the couch watching Gola Gola Island, trying to calm down enough to go to sleep. And I heard the desktop turn on. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird, but I don't know, maybe the air conditioner turned on and then it moved the mouse. <laughs> you know, you try to rationalize it. So I heard it turn on. I kind of glanced over there, saw the blue light of the computer glowing because the lights are off. I'm like, okay, that's fine. It's just the air conditioner. I go back to Gola Gola Island. At this point, I'm feeling really scared because I think I knew that that wasn't the air conditioner. So I looked back at the computer to double check it. I noticed I couldn't see the screen of the desktop anymore. And when I got a clearer look, the reason I couldn't see the screen is because the computer chair, which is on wheels, had moved from the kitchen into the living room with me and was now turned facing the couch. And I felt so scared, so trapped. Also, it made no noise. It just went from the kitchen to the living room and was facing me. Oh, I will never forget that night. I was so scared. I called Jordan and I really felt trapped because you have to walk through the kitchen to get to the bedroom. When I did call Jordan, I looked over to the back door where we had um, a long curtain hanging over it and the curtain was moving too. I remember running so fast to my bed, shutting the door and hiding under the covers. While we were living in this house, my friend and I took a trip to Marfa. Growing up together, we're in
3: high school together. And one really big memory that sticks out to me is we traveled to Marfa, Texas, which I'm sure everyone is aware of. The Marfa lights and all the phenomenon around that. So we were there for the... Marfell Lights Festival that the city hosts and being teenagers we weren't really interested in the in the music and the market and things like that so while my parents were actually exploring the Market Square we took off on our own to kind of walk around the city and just to see what we could get into and probably not the best decision but we were walking down an alleyway in between like some kind of office building and an abandoned building And right as we were about to turn the corner, once again, I got hit with that really big feeling of dread. And unfortunately, in those moments where there's a fight or flight response, I'm 100% flight, and I took off running. I didn't even tell her that I was scared. I literally just turned and ran.
1: Jordan just bolts, turns around, runs the other way, screams, she's terrified. I'm standing there looking around, like, what is this? What is happening? And through the window, we were next to this abandoned printing press. It was completely empty. And I looked in there, and there was a man standing there staring at us. I, like, looked back to check on Jordan, looked back in the printing press area. He was gone. So I left the alley. We regrouped in the car.
3: We ran all the way back to my parents' car. We jumped in the back seat and locked the door, and she was like, did you see that? And I was like, I didn't see anything. I just got scared. She was like, well, I swear I saw a man. And I was like, oh, well, I was just freaked out, so I'm glad we ran. We sat there a little bit longer, and as we looked around, kind of inspecting to see if anyone was coming around, we noticed um, a high-rise building right behind where we were parked. And up in the window, it seemed like there was somebody looking out and I can't necessarily say I personally could see anybody, but it's like you could feel it. And of course, knowing now what I know about Kate and her abilities, I think that she was a lot more open to like seeing something and really feeling that. And I was just like kind of picking up on what she was laying down, but we could definitely feel what felt like a woman inside of this high rise building kind of staring through this like lacy, wafty curtain, but the building was clearly deserted and like long deserted.
1: We both saw her, but not tangibly. It's not like if I were to look through the window and then you see me from the street, like we both saw her in our mind. (laughs) I know that's kind of weird to say, but that's how it comes across a lot of times. We both saw her in our minds, and it matched up completely what we saw her looking like, how her emotions felt. It's been a long time, and I don't remember her appearance. I want to say she was an older lady. Her hair was up, and she felt sad. She felt stuck. But we saw her briefly, saw the shade move, and then saw the shade move back, and then she was gone. So it was just a very, very brief, like, her looking out.
3: So we never really got any answers to that. But again, we kind of just chalked that up to unusual experiences and things that would just happen because of the circumstances.
4: I am Sarah. I am Kate's oldest sister. And I live in the same house with her in Midland from 2006 to 2008. So I would have been in my mid-20s and she would have been in high school, so 16 17 and up. She stayed in the house much longer than I did. I went off to college elsewhere. But we would have just kind of weird things going on where we'd be sitting in one room and we'd hear dishes moving around in the kitchen. We had aluminum bowls that we used for cooking. They were mixing bowls and they would be put up, but you would hear them clang against the counter. And so you'd go in and check. There wouldn't be anything in there. That would happen Sporadically. It wasn't frequent, but it was enough that it was kind of annoying. And then I can remember sleeping in my room and trying to go to bed and feeling the weight of somebody on the bed. And so you could feel them kind of put the weight down, get up, put the weight down. That happened pretty frequently, but it was one of those situations where you would say, hey, I'm trying to sleep, stop, and it would stop. I don't have an explanation for that, I was the only one in the room. And then. The only other experience that I remember having was being in the front room, which was like a den or foyer in the house where we had the computer set up and like a couch with my mom. And we were doing something and having a conversation and a blue light kind of streaked through the room and was noticed by us. We actually stopped having a conversation to go, did you see that? Well, yeah, I saw that. But there was nothing to, like curtains were closed. couldn't track it to a, a vehicle or anything and so that was kind of bizarre. That's out the extent of my experiences in that house. So I don't I don't know what all Kate has shared with you. Several houses that we have been in have had activity.
1: Also in that house when we got closer to it being time to move, the doorbell went off constantly. Constantly We tried changing the wiring, we tried the batteries. Nobody knew why this was happening. I think we all just kind of pretended like it was the wiring, but I think we knew better. I went home with my mom one time and we were walking into the house. And as soon as we walked into the house, both of us heard a woman go, Hello? That house was so creepy. We finally moved out of that house and I never had activity like that again. What I will say though, is that there was a particular mirror that I had in that house and the house I'm living in now, we took this mirror to and later found out that it also had an attachment.
0: In her early years of life, Kate had been experiencing quite a bit of unexplained phenomena. To her, it was definitely odd, but at this point in her life, she chalked it up to just bad luck, her family hopping from haunted house to haunted house. When we return from this short break, however, we'll travel with Kate as she moves to San Antonio, Texas, begins a life as a young adult, and begins to realize she may have special gifts that allow her to see, sense, and ultimately communicate with the dead. Stay tuned. This episode of the Night Owl Podcast is sponsored by AG1. Visit drinkag1.com slash owl and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash night owl. Every single day we are bombarded with advertisements either on Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook that promise to make us healthier human beings. They promise us that their product is the absolute best one on the market the one that will make us healthier, stronger, more energetic, or happier. But how do we know that their product is the best for us? How do we know if the ingredients in the products are truly safe for us? That's why I rely on AG1 to deliver all the vitamins, nutrients, probiotics, and essential brain, gut, and immune health support that my body needs to be the healthiest me I can be. Every single batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process to ensure that I'm getting the highest quality ingredients that are specially sourced for the best absorption, potency, and nutrient density, making AG1 a product I can put my trust in, and so can you. If high quality ingredients in a daily nutritional supplement that supports whole body health is important to you, do like I did and make AG1 a part of your daily routine. One scoop, once a day, every day, for the highest quality, complete nutritional support your body needs. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why we've partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash night That's drinkag1.com slash night owl. Check it out. This episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash night owl. Do you ever find yourself wishing there were more hours in the day? If you're like me, then your list of things you need to get done far exceeds the amount of time available to get them done. Sadly, this list never gets any shorter and the 24 hours in a day thing is kind of set in stone. So what we're left with is trying to control the things that we can control and that's basically trying to prioritize and organize our lives to fit those things that are the most important to us. Unfortunately for some of us, the ability to organize our lives and figure out what is the most important thing for us can be a very difficult task. Some of us don't have the ability or skill set needed to sit down and prioritize our own personal needs and wants. This is where therapy comes in. Therapy can actually be a huge benefit to you because it can help you learn coping skills, teach you how to be more flexible in your life choices, show you how to set boundaries, and help you prioritize your life and determine what is most important to you. If you're thinking therapy could be right for you, why not give BetterHelp a try? That's Better H-E-L-P. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to each individual's schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time with no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel pcom com So we lived in that house up
1: until I graduated high school. And after graduating, my mind was definitely not there. I was just trying to live my life. I had a boyfriend who is now my husband, and that's kind of, I don't know. I feel like the paranormal activity kind of slowed down, especially after leaving that house, until we get to 2020. When a boy in San Antonio went missing.
5: My name is Adrian, and I am Kate's husband. We have been together since 2011. You know, we've been together all this time. So whenever I started dating her, it was it was back in... We're from West Texas. I'm from Midland, Texas. And so we kind of started there. And then from there, we moved to San Antonio, Texas in 2014 and we've been here ever since. Right off the bat as far as Kate's abilities go, it was very non-existent to me, but she would always tell me stories about her having encounters or just experiences from ghosts or just kind of paranormal, you know, experiences. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I've had myself personally growing up, I've always been kind of more of like on the skeptical side of things, so to me, it was just like, all right, cool. Even though I've had experiences growing up, nothing crazy. To me, everything could be explained. So that's kind of my mindset as far as that goes. But then one day, fast forward to maybe four or five years now that she's been doing this and kind of really tapped into her gift. One day out of the blue, she comes up to me and she's like, hey, I think that I have picked up on... There was a guy here, a kid in here in San Antonio that had gone missing. And somehow she had picked up on it just out of the blue and she called me and I was like, okay, what? You know, like, what is going on? I, I didn't know how to react to it. I didn't know what to even say. I, I just thought, like, w- what are you talking about? I thought, did something happen? Like, what's going on? I just thought she just went cuckoo bananas for whatever reason.
1: I remember this coming across very often. I saw his flyer. I had no connection to him, but I felt really, I don't know, I just felt like I really needed to pay attention to what was happening with him. So I saw his flyer. He went missing while he was riding his bicycle. I felt like his mom was really scared, which is why I was looking, because I have two kids of my own now, and it's hard for moms. So that was kind of happening, and I worked at a coffee truck at the time. It was a Sunday afternoon, and I was sitting there scrolling through my phone, and his flyer showed up. And when I saw his flyer, my eyes started to cry. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, why am I sad? I'm, I'm not sad. I didn't feel emotionally sad. I didn't feel like anything had happened to me, but I felt this overwhelming sense of sadness. And there was just something intuitively that made me start speaking out loud because I felt like, and uh, just a side note, I don't know about releasing his name because I never met his family. And I actually have never shared this story because I'm very concerned to... I never want to use somebody else's story for clout. (laughs) That's how I feel. So I don't know about sharing his name. He was 15 years old when he he went missing. And I remember sitting there and just feeling so sad. And I started saying out loud, it's okay. It's okay. She forgives you. She forgives you. And while I'm saying this out loud, my brain is thinking, like, what is happening, Kate? (laughs) What, What is this? And I really felt like I was talking to him. I felt like he was sad for his mom. I felt like he was scared. His mom didn't know what was going on. And so I talked to him. I just talked to him like I would my own kid. Like, it's okay. You're safe. Everything is okay. Your mom's not mad at you. She's just scared. She's worried. She doesn't know who, where you are. And I heard in my head, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I never meant to do this. I never meant to do this to her. I never wanted to be in this situation. And so I just kept reassuring, you know, it's okay. And then I hugged myself in order to give him a hug. And once I did that and I just let him know, like, how much his mom loves him, then I instantly I felt this sense of peace. And then it was quiet. I didn't feel any more energy. I felt like he had passed. So I'm reassuring him. I'm letting him know. And I'm like, what happened? What happened? He showed me this crumpled up white rock is what I saw. And it was like, it was distinct. It looked like a rock that had been through some stuff. It was crumpled up. It was like brown in places. It looked really dirty. And then I saw a patch of grass. I saw a black-sleeved hoodie, like, reach across and maybe, like, shut something. And then once it shut, then I saw black. It, it just cut off from there. <sighs> I remember thinking, I'm so crazy. Nobody's going to believe this. This didn't have, like, I made this up. This didn't happen. And so... I'm kind of internalizing all of this, figuring out what this means, what did I see. And then Wednesday, the story came out that they did find him, um, unfortunately. He was in a white car. They showed a picture of a white car. It looked like the rock did. That white car was in the middle of some grass, and somebody had tried to light it on fire. that's how they found him.
3: I remember speaking with her and she was telling me that there was a child who was missing in her area and that she had she just knew what had happened and she knew in great detail everything that had happened and so she was calling me and saying you know I just it's so strange I really feel like this is what happened I really feel that this situation is this is how it went down and then come to find out pretty much everything that she had felt and dreamt and seen was true. So that was kind of the beginning of her thinking, oh, well, maybe this is not just a coincidence. It's not something that's just happening because I'm in the right place. Maybe this is something that is directly tied to me.
1: (laughs) It's tragic. And at the same time, it was very validating, like, oh, my God, This is real. I had this real conversation, and it was really a turning point in my life. That's when I finally accepted, okay, I do have this ability, and this is how I'm able to help. This is what I'm able to do with it. And it's been an adventure ever since. (laughs) It's really changed a lot of my perspective since that. Because before then, I had had dreams. But I just always chalked it up like, oh, it's just, this is just a dream. But I would have dreams where I would talk to my grandparents and give messages to my my parents. Once I had that experience, I started talking about it more. I started asking. I started telling people, hey, I think I'm a psychic. Hey, I've had this spirit attached to me. And it was really met at first with a lot of strange looks. But I finally found somebody You know, TikTok was really popular when COVID happened. And I was scrolling through TikTok, and this person kept showing up, showing up. Her name is Sarah. And um, she's a psychic medium. She magically was opening up spaces for a mentorship. And this is where things started to move just from past loved ones or people who have crossed over into now realizing that there are synchronicities or there are things that line up in a specific way because I was desperate. I was looking for anybody to just believe me. I told my dad, my dad believed me. I told my mom, she was like, eh. <laughs> so, but my dad believed me to an extent. Actually, I remember having a conversation with him one time after he, I, came out of the psychic closet, so to speak. We were standing in their house and we were peeling potatoes in the kitchen. And, you know, when spirit comes through, a lot of times people think that they have to like run up to you and be like, your brother's here and he has a message for you. But really the way that spirit wants to communicate is by reminding them of how much they're loved. Supported and and letting the people who are still here living know that they're watching over them. So I had just had a dream about my dad's mom, who I don't I think I met when I was little, but man, I don't even I really didn't even know her. And we were standing in the kitchen, and I was just bringing up these memories with my dad, and I was asking him questions about my grandma and how did they grow up and What was your favorite thing to do with her? And this whole time we're having the conversation, the lights in the kitchen are just flickering, flickering, flickering. And so finally, I was like, well, Dad, she's definitely coming through for you. I had a dream about her and, like, look, the lights are flickering while we're talking about her. I think we just kind of both appreciated that moment. But once that conversation was over about her, the lights stopped flickering. That was it. So... (laughs) I feel like that was very much her. And that's kind of how I started dipping my toe into delivering more messages.
3: So once that started, she kind of started to dig a little bit more into what that means, you know, what kind of that connection means. And instead of being fearful of these interactions, because, you know, constantly having something move out of the corner of your eye or lights flickering or, or hearing whispers, you know, that can be very unsettling to somebody who doesn't expect it. So she really worked to try to open up and kind of not be afraid and empower herself in those moments. Not really in a way of like embracing her gift, I would say at the beginning, but more of a way to like assert her confidence and kind of her like, boundaries so that she wouldn't feel afraid in her own home. So she worked really hard to do that. And as time went on, she kind of found that as she leaned into her ability to kind of, first of all, connect with tarot, but then also kind of just in her own self, try to make connections with people, she found that it was incredibly easy for her. And personally, for me, it became a huge source of comfort because in 2019 uh, my grandmother passed away who I was incredibly close with. I was absolutely devastated. It really, it was a huge loss to me and I was lost for a long time and I had so desperately wanted to try to make contact with her, but I was fearful because I wasn't sure I could find somebody who I thought was reliable with good intentions. So when Kate started to kind of move into this realm of mediumship or making connections with people like that, she was like, would you like me to try to connect with your, I called her my Mimi. So she was like, would you like me to connect with your Mimi? And I was of course like ecstatic. I was like, yes, please. And the first thing she said to me was, I love you, babe, which is like kind of silly because, like, you kind of think of babe as like a pet name you may use with like a partner or a spouse. But that is what my Mimi would refer to me as all the time. I can have like the most vivid memories of being upstairs in her house and her calling me down for breakfast in the morning. And that's how she would always do it. She'd say, Babe, come and get breakfast. And I'd never shared that with anybody. It was something that, I mean, honestly, I didn't even really think about until right in that moment when she said it to me and it was just like light bulb and then she went on to tell me you know that she was proud and there were some you know really uncomfortable circumstances surrounding when she passed away and just some other relationships and she was really instrumental in helping me let go of some of the things that i was holding on to and trying to find peace in those moments so that was really really huge for me to get that connection and get that relief. And for me, it was, it really told me like what Kate was experiencing was, I mean, I never doubted her in any way, shape or form, but it really just cemented it and sealed it that she really did have this gift and ability to connect with people. And she has this really great ability to not only connect, but she's able to like deliver a message that you really need to hear in that moment. I think she's not only connecting with a loved one or connecting with a space, but she's able to connect with those who are also there to give them the information that they need.
1: For me, and one of the hardest parts is I never want somebody to think like, oh, she's a know-it-all or, oh, she's this or she's that. But that's definitely a fear you have to let go of because what you're doing for people in this line of work, it goes far, far beyond the impressions that others have of you. So I slowly dipped my toe in there by bringing up these memories or I had a friend whose mom passed away. And he was telling me that his daughter is running around saying, Nana. And I was like, oh, that's her grandma. And she likes to play these blocks with her. I don't know why she's showing these, like, little cars. And then my friend Mason goes, oh, that's because she gave those to her. So that was more validation. My friend's dad, whose wife passed away, I saw him not too long ago. And I told him, hey, your wife is there behind you. She likes to give you the forehead kisses. And that was validation for him. I I had never met his dad. I had never met his mom. We were friends, but I never knew them. And as more moments like this passed, I really believed in my gifts more. And they for sure came through first as, like, thoughts more than tangible, which is funny because before I recognized I had gifts, it was all so physical. And now it's coming through Mentally, and that was kind of a learning curve because you have to really trust yourself and trust that you're not making this up, trust that it's not anxiety. So that's why it has been very important to have those validating moments. So once I found this mentor, Sarah, I fully believed in my gifts. Everything was going great, and I remember sitting on the couch in our house Where we live now, where we had lived for years before I had really stepped into my gifts, it was the very next night after my first meeting with Sarah. And I remember feeling like the living room was so crowded. Genuinely, it felt like the Beetlejuice waiting room. It felt like there were so many different kinds of beings sitting there, past loved ones, elementals, celestials. It was a lot of energy, and I was really afraid of it at first. But the more I stepped into my gifts and, like, learned how to set boundaries, it got easier. There would be times where I would be showering, and then, boop, somebody would pop in the bathroom. And I'm like, where did you come from? Who do you belong to? And a couple of days later, I'll come across somebody on the street, and I'm like, oh, came through in the bathroom for you the other day i had this just happen with it was somebody's grandpa i think his name was henry and i remember washing my hands and i looked up and i was like oh henry's here i don't know a henry i i didn't know a henry at that time and later on i was talking to an acquaintance of mine who apparently their grandpa just passed away and there's henry Other things that happened outside of connecting for others were energies that I felt within my home. There was a mirror that came with us from Midland. I never thought anything about this mirror, but one night I was walking to my room, which was right across from my kid's room. And I always check on my kids when I walk past there. I looked into his room, my son's room. Standing there next to him was this energy, and it really... I couldn't see it visually. Like, it wasn't like I saw somebody standing in the room, but I felt this heavy energy. And when I tapped into it, I saw this man standing there staring at my son. And I felt very uncomfortable. It did not feel like a welcomed energy, I would smoke cleanse it, I would ask it to leave, I would tell him to leave, and you could feel the energy moving. So once I saw that man, I went in to do a smoke cleanse, I think the next day, I felt his energy, I told him he had to leave. I felt the energy walk out of my kid's room, into our room, into a corner, followed it into the room, into the corner, smoke cleanse it some more, felt the energy move to a different part of the house. Also, with that same energy, sometimes I would feel it disappear, like, oh, okay, he left, but then he'd be back the next night. And it was very concerning. This happened consistently for weeks. I would ask my psychic friends, hey, can you tap into this energy? There's somebody standing there. I see him. He's staring at my son. Who is this? and he would show himself as different people every time because he was a trickster he wanted me to feel like oh this was a safe energy first he told me oh i'm a safe energy i'm a spirit guide then he told me oh i'm a soul contract for your son i can't leave then he told me oh i'm just the old man who lives here and he was never like a straight answer He would never leave fully, he would just move. He would disappear and come back. And so I called my friend Jordan, who at this point, now that I've opened myself up, she's been able to open herself up. And I remember asking her for advice and she told me, she said, well, I keep seeing this water and like there's salt. So maybe pour some salt in the water and leave it underneath of your son's bed. And then that energy will soak in, and then you can get rid of that water. I tried it. I would try anything. I got the water. I poured the Himalayan salt in. I stirred it counterclockwise to get rid of energy. I put it underneath of my son's bed. I let it soak it all up. I threw it away the next day thinking, like, okay, he soaked up the energy. It's gone. We can go about our life. And not even the next night, the energy was back, and it just felt awful. It felt so bad, despite all the times he showed me, no, I'm here for protection. No, I'm a guide. It genuinely felt like he was latching on to my son because my son is such an impasse. I don't know what happened. I was cleaning house one day. And I looked up, and I looked at that mirror that came with us from Midland, and I it finally clicked. I was like, oh, my God, this is from that house. This is probably has an energy that was tied to this house. So I got the mirror. I took it out of the house. I didn't break the mirror. I know that sometimes people are like, you should break the mirror, but I didn't because I felt like if I were to break it, I think it would have released his energy, and then it just would have been anywhere I wanted it wanted to be. So I felt like keeping it intact kind of held the spirit there. Um, I threw it in the dumpster. It magically rained that day. I don't think it was supposed to rain at all, um, but it did actually rain, which I think was also very cleansing for that mirror. And once I got rid of that mirror, I have never seen that energy again and never has come back. It's amazing how energy can just follow you from place or how it can be connected to things. Also, when I lived in this house, I was closing up for the night, you know, like going around closing the blinds, shutting all the doors, making sure everything is locked. And my son was in bed. It was just me there, and I was walking into the living room. At nighttime, if the blinds are open, you can see the reflection of inside the house on the window. So I was walking over to the window to shut the blinds and lock the door, and I saw this little boy following behind me. I thought it was my son. And I turned around, and I was like, Atlas, go to bed. And he wasn't there. Nobody was there. But the rocking chair that I saw the little boy walking behind was moving. Um, and that's when I realized that I still had that little boy attachment.
4: <clears throat>
1: Once I came to realize that, um, more things started to happen around the house. We also had this kid's play area and it had a little mailbox on it. The mailbox opened all the time. That play area talked all the time. Toys would go off a lot. Again, I just silly me, chalked it up to whatever, but when I saw him in the reflection, that's when I realized I had that attachment. And now that I'm in a spot where I'm open and I'm I'm comfortable communicating, I called him forward and I said, hey, let's go to the store. I have to go to the store because I wanted to keep my kids safe. I wanted to keep my son safe. I have a daughter. I wanted my husband to be safe. So I go to the store, I feel this energy of a little kid sitting next to me, we go into the store, and I just have a conversation with him, like, hey, I'm really glad that you have been here, I'm glad that you have found comfort and safety with me, I'm glad that you have been able to keep me safe in situations, but now it's time for you to go. I have my own kids And we just kind of have a life that we have to get on with. And with you here, it's draining a lot of our energy. And also, you deserve to find your grandma. Because I I think I really do feel like you. That was his life story, was my dreams. And so I said, when I leave the store, this is it. This is where you're going to have to go. You have to go. You have to cross over now. And I left the store I got in the car and I never felt his energy again. Those are the physical energies, but since opening myself up, now I get a lot more of the names coming in for others or other people's loved ones popping in. And it has just been a nice and scary sometimes ride, but it's been great to realize that it's not so scary that these are actually just people and they have their own energies they have their own personalities and at the end of the day they just want to be heard all the same so I'm glad that I learned that I was able to talk to them and not be scared so that I can help them and help living people around me as well It's honestly has been a really incredible journey.
5: And I know a lot of people out there that, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are kind of in my position where, you know, maybe they are very on the fence to where they have a significant other out there or they have a friend or a relative, even themselves. Maybe they're trying to come into their own power and they just don't have that support system or anything, but to your support system or to anybody else, just stay patient and be patient because it's been a very long road, but it's been a road that's really worth it to stand by and see this progression and this growth and see how everything's turning out. You know, it's a big world. It's a lot of things in the universe that can't be explained by science. The so stuff out there and just be patient with your person. And if anybody is kind of just stuck in their own head, kind of can't get out of their heads and they have gifts and they're like, well, what if... They don't believe me. Like, who gives a shit if somebody believes you or not? You know, if you have this gift, just go out there and and utilize it if you want to. You know, like, you don't have to prove yourself to anybody but yourself. And I have had the same conversation with Kate. And from time to time, might we have the same conversation where it's like, you don't owe anybody anything. As long as you feel like you're doing the right thing for yourself and this is something that you want to pursue and to help people, then do it. it. Who gives a shit if they believe you or not? because at the end of the day, you know what you're doing is genuine and you know what you're doing is the right thing to do. So coming from that aspect, that's sometimes that's what it takes. And then again, just a lot of patience from the people that support you or on the other end of it, where they're they're like, what's going on here? It's just a lot of patience and a lot of support.
3: I really do think her calling all of our life has been to kind of be a lighthouse. She's like that, whether she likes it or not, sometimes that glowing light that The moths are drawn to. So, when there is especially um, some kind of spirit or activity that is restless or is feeling like they need to communicate something, I think that that is what she does best. And I've seen time and time again her sit down and speak with somebody or do a reading for somebody, and she's able to kind of really connect deeply and tell them what they need to know. And it's just been so exciting. And it's also been so relieving, I think, to finally put a cause to everything that we experienced growing up. All of the shadows moving out of the corner of our eye, all of the whispers, all of the chills, and the feelings of uneasiness that I was picking up on and that she was really fully experiencing. All of that was I think directly related to her and her abilities. And I think all of this time, people were trying to reach out to her and find that connection with her. And it's just been really cool to see her in the last several years, embrace that and use that gift, not only to help people on this side of the realm, but also help people beyond.
1: What I have learned the most about this world is that for the most part, the main message everybody wants to get across is a message of love and safety. I think that love is the basis for everything, and we really do keep our personalities after we cross over. I have connected to Uncles that come through laughing so hard and really bringing in that sense of family that sense of joy and those things and the memories that Your loved ones have created with you while they were living are the most emphasized part of the message There are very few times where I have had spirit come in as like a caution or as a very specific, no, you need to turn left instead of right kind of message. Most of the time they're coming in to say, hey, I love you, I'm watching over you, you can do this. Be strong, be brave, be confident. We're here, we're listening, we're guiding you. And I think that even if you don't have these gifts of actually seeing or hearing or talking to them in a tangible way, we all have the gift of sharing space and showing compassion. And the best way to connect with your loved ones or to connect with the energies around you is to remember them for who they were, remembering them at their best and knowing how much they love you. Love, it always comes down to love. It always comes down to love.
0: Since beginning the show in 2017, I've had the pleasure of witnessing several validating moments with psychic mediums that have crossed my path. Meeting Kate was unexpected, but I wouldn't go as far as to say it wasn't predestined. Something put her in my path, or vice versa. Since recording this, Kate joined our team at an amazing three-day overnight stay at the historic Hotel Havana in San Antonio, Texas, where some incredible things unfolded, and not only did I witness others have personal unexplained experiences, I myself had several. And I can't wait to share those with you in late spring or early summer when that series releases, so stay tuned for that. But at the close of this very special campfire, I just want to thank Kate for giving me something I've always wanted have never truly experienced. I always knew how much my grandpa loved me, because he showed it very clearly while he was alive, but I never expected he would find a way to show me that same love from the other side. Kate is a working psychic medium out of San Antonio, Texas, and if you're interested in connecting with her, you can find her on Instagram at kate.the.brave. That's Kate the Brave. Stay tuned because we'll pick up where we left off on the Pompeii House series on March 25th. And following the conclusion of that series, Kate will be featured on our upcoming Hotel Havana series this late spring or early summer. Stay restless out there. I'd like to thank my investigative team, Alexis, Franklin, for going on these crazy adventures with me. Nicholas Fair for his talented musical contributions to this show. My dad Sam for his incredible historical research. My partner Peyton for encouraging me every time the workload for the show weighs heavy on my shoulders. And her assistance editing this particular episode. Mikey for his continued help with assistant editing. Sandra for keeping us all on schedule and on budget. And last but not least, David Dalton of Driftworks Sound for mastering every single episode on the tight turnarounds I give him. Please support their works by visiting our website, thenightowlpodcast.com, and clicking on the About tab. There you can find links to all their individual works and websites. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. Do you have a song that could use a professional touch to get it across the finish line? Do you wish you could remove the sound of a loud air conditioner or distracting mouth noises from your podcast recording? Whatever your issue, David can repair and enhance your audio and help you achieve rich, full, professional sound at industry-standard loudness levels. Quit struggling with audio engineering and get back to creating. To discuss your options, reach out to David at driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com.
2: And set your creative self free.